70. Um, our children who are going to be dismissed to Children's Church, this is the time to escape. So if you would like to do that. Yeah, it doesn't mean college kids. <laughs> you get to stay here with me. Um, we are again in Romans chapter 1. Listen to this um, passage from Ecclesiastes 4. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? The one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. In this morning's passage here in Romans, there's a, a threefold cord that binds us together as a body. We, we find in Romans 1, verses 8 through 13, our passage for today, that the tie or the cord that that binds us together is made up of faith and fellowship and fruit. So let's look at those. First of all, the the cord of faith in verse 8. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. Think about the the substance of their, their, their faith. This was what was most important first thing that Paul mentions about them besides that they are at Rome is first of all their faith that was most important the the first and primary item that Paul mentions by saying first here he doesn't mean first in a list of 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 things you know if you keep reading you'll notice that Paul never comes up with and second or first and B or it's just first and that's as far as it goes because he uses a word that means primarily of the first order or the main thing. It's like, like Paul is saying, the main thing I want to say about you is this, your faith. Uh, and it is in what they believed. Not just that they believed. I mean, it's, you, you might hear some people say, yeah, I'm a person of faith, but you know, what do they mean by that? So it's, it's what a person believes that distinguishes. Uh, first of most importance, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for, your all, for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. It's that they believed in God through Jesus Christ. And they, it's not only what they believed, but what they practiced. As their faith, the faith that they had in God through Jesus Christ is spoken of throughout the whole world, a worldwide reputation of how much faith and what their faith was grounded in. Now by the whole world, Paul likely means what they knew of the world at that time. 
But in any case, their, their faith was widespread. The reputation of their faith, not only what they believed, but that they practiced what they believed. And the source of their faith, where, where did their faith come from? And who did Paul have to thank? And who did they have to thank for their faith? Well, Paul says it this way, I thank my God through Jesus Christ. There's only one mediator between God and man, and that is Jesus Christ. But it's a reminder, too, that Paul didn't say, I'm so thankful that you were smart enough to believe. But I thank my God through Jesus Christ, because that's how we, we come to faith. Uh, we come to salvation with God through Jesus Christ. We, we come to worship God through Jesus Christ. We come to prayer to God through Jesus Christ. And others throughout this, this world who come to God the Father through Jesus Christ share that bond with us. So there are people all over this world worshiping this day that, and those who come to God through Christ are in a bond with us, a spiritual bond that we can't see, but that uh, is unbreakable. Part of God's merciful and gracious provision for us is that our bond of faith, that which holds us together, our faith, would be strengthened by our bond of fellowship. That's the second part of this threefold cord that binds us together, our fellowship. And that takes up most of the passage here, verses 9 through 12. Now, the, the idea of fellowship is, is more than a dinner. Usually when we talk about a church fellowship, we were thinking brownies. <laughs> you know, we're, we're thinking chicken. We're, we're, you know, chocolate of any sort. That's fellowship. And, and indeed, that is an important part of our fellowship. But... It's about having things in common. That's really what the idea of fellowship is. We, we share things in common. It's about sharing together. Specifically, it's about sharing the Christian life together, doing life together. And Paul mentions three areas in which we, we fellowship like this. The first is the, the ministry of praying, verse 9 and 10. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request if by some means now at last I may find a way in the will of God to come to you. This is a personal request of Paul. It's, if both, prayer is personal and spiritual, it is uh, Prayer for one another is one of the most definite and genuine proofs of our, our Christian affection for each other. That we care about each other enough to want to know what's going on and to lift up those, those prayers to one another. Um, speaking of which, if you hadn't heard, uh, be in prayer for Dan Barth. He fell off a ladder yesterday. He's in Methodist, and uh, he thought he had broken six ribs and damaged his spleen and punctured a lung. <clears throat> uh, when I was up to see him yesterday afternoon, the doctor came in and said, uh, well, you've actually broken seven ribs. And um, 
he was in, he's in quite a bit of pain, as you can imagine, cannot breathe. And, uh, but just be in prayer for our dear brother, Dan. Up on a ladder, which he's done as a painter 10 million times probably, but we never know. Um, part of our affection for that family is praying for them, and perhaps there are ways that we can, we can minister to them. Uh, but what makes this bond of prayer so strong is it is at the same time personal in our relationship with one another and it is spiritual because of our relationship to God our common relationship to God it's not just like neighbors who are thinking about each other it, it is personal in that it's directed toward each other but it's spiritual in that the prayers are directed really toward God in behalf of one another so it is both personal and spiritual for Paul says for God is my witness whom I serve in my spirit this is part of his spiritual ministry to them whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers whom I he says here is uh, that word serve is uh um, always connected to religious service of some sort and in fact sometimes it's even translated worship whom I worship and a prayer is seen even as a form of our worshiping God even though we're lifting up one another that's, God sees that and we should see it as a spiritual service even a form of worship we worship God we declare his worthiness when we bring others before his throne and lay them at his feet and say God you can bless help heal whatever is needed so prayer is personal and spiritual um, and also prayer is personal and specific it says in verse 9 that he is he's praying for them personally I'm praying for you and he has never been to Rome, but he is praying for them personally. And when we get to the end of this book of Romans, chapter 16, we find that Paul sends personal greetings to 28 people by name. Andronicus and uh, uh, Phoebe and uh, Aquila and Priscilla, and he names 28 people by name that he's met in his other travels who have, these people have gone back to Rome. So he, he knew a number of them, and he's praying for them specifically and for the church specifically, uh, though he had never been there. And he makes a, a specific request regarding this church at Rome and his connection with them, and um, really the next uh, few verses talk about that, so we'll go on to what his petition is. Verse 10, making request... If by some means now at last I may find a way in the will of God to come to you. Look at the first part of verse 13. Now I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I often planned to come to you, but was hindered until now. So you see both in verse 10 and verse 13, he's, his prayer request has been a constant one. He's been praying for a long time that somehow in the will of God he might come to them, but he's been hindered up to this point. And now we're going to jump forward into to the book of Romans chapter 15. Uh, he gives a little bit more detail there. Romans 15, starting at verse 22. 
For this reason, I also have been much hindered from coming to you. But now, no longer having a place in these parts and having a great desire these many years to come to you, whenever I journey to Spain, I shall come to you. For I hope to see you on my journey and to be helped on my way there by you, if first I may enjoy your company for a while. But now I am going to Jerusalem to minister to the saints. For it pleased those from Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor among the saints who are in Jerusalem. It pleased them indeed, and they are their debtors. For if the Gentiles have been partakers of their spiritual things, their duty is also to minister to them in material things. Therefore, when I have performed this and have sealed to them this fruit, I shall go by way of you to Spain. But I know that when I come to you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. Now I beg you, brethren, through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit, that you strive together with me in prayers to God for me, that I may be delivered from those in Judea who do not believe, and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, that I may come to you with joy by the will of God and may be refreshed together with you. Paul is seeking their prayers. He's saying, I've been praying for years to be able to come to you and have been hindered. And I, I'm asking you to join me in this prayer. Would you pray for me? Paul is seeking their prayers. Join me together in this prayer that I may be able to come to you. Uh, verse 32, that I may come to you with, the, with joy by the will of God and may be refreshed together with you. So he is seeking their prayers, but notice that he is also seeking God's will. He says in chapter 15 that I might come by the will of God. And verse 13 of chapter 1, if you go back to that, excuse me, verse 10, chapter 1, verse 10, making requests if by some means now at last I may find a way in the will of God to come to you. Paul is seeking their prayers, but Paul is seeking God's will in this, which is, that overrides everything. Now, it's interesting to me, as, as Paul says these things here in chapter 1 and expands them in chapter 15, that this has been a prayer request of his for years. And if you ever prayed for something and maybe finally just given up because God hasn't answered yet, I mean, it's, it's been Days you've been praying and weeks and months and God hasn't answered yet and years and you have given up. Paul has been praying for years that he may be able to come to them. He has often tried to and he says, um, verse 13 now, I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I have often planned to come, but was hindered until now. In, verse, in chapter 15, it talks about being hindered numerous times from coming to them. We don't know what all those hindrances were. But he's seeking God's will and to only go as far as God's will allows. He wants to come to them desperately, but he wants to find a way that's within the will of God. So Paul had made many plans which had come to nothing. 
I think that's something good for us to remember. Even, even someone like the Apostle Paul had made plans, preparations, prayer requests, and wanted to do this, and God said no. It was a good thing he wanted to do, wasn't it? To come and, and have some spiritual fruit among them. But God kept saying no for whatever reason. And Paul had made all these plans that had come to nothing as of yet. He doesn't know this, but I think he, he senses it when he gets to chapter 15 that he is going to Jerusalem. Now, when he leaves Corinth to head to Jerusalem, all the way there, every city that he stops in, God brings forth a prophet to tell Paul, chains and bonds await you in Jerusalem. This is not what he wanted to hear. He's moving away from Rome, going towards Jerusalem, and he's going to be in bondage when he gets there. And Paul tells us all these hard times that he had and how he... He continues to faithfully pray, and he does it without any apology or misgivings. It's not a bad reflection on God or upon Paul, but it's just part of something we need to remember in our own life that we need to continually pray and pray for one another, that somehow within the will of God that God might bring this about. Does God bring it about? Yeah. Gives him free passage to Rome on a slave ship which shipwrecks, but Paul does get there and, uh, and has a great fruit, a uh, great ministry among the Romans eventually. But we, we shouldn't give up making plans just because we have been hindered a time or two or for years. We don't give up making plans. We don't give up in our dreams. We don't give up in praying for something. But we should make those plans and say those prayers and write across them all if the Lord wills. That's what Paul did. So we have this, in fellowship, first of all, we have the ministry of praying for one another, praying for each other in personal and spiritual and specific ways and above all, entrusting ourselves to the Lord. We also have the ministry of strengthening under fellowship. Verse 11. For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift so that you may be established. And so Paul says several things here in the ministry of strengthening. First of all, he has a desire to see them. As I said, he's never been to Rome. He does know some of them personally through his travels. But he has a desire to actually see them face to face. It's, it's one thing to carry on correspondence with someone long distance. That's kind of hard to do, you know, through email or text messaging or uh, phone calls or whatever. But it's when you get to see them face to face, that's special. Maybe family you haven't seen for years and you might get a letter from them once in a while, a birthday card or Christmas card, an email or something. But to see them face to face, that, that's something special. And Paul, considering them his spiritual family, says, I want to see you face to face. I want to be with you. A desire to see them. Secondly, a desire to bless them. I long to see you that I may impart to you some 
spiritual gift. The word impart means to, to share together with. I want to share together with you some spiritual gift. We're not sure what Paul means by that. that uh, not likely that he means the gifts of the Spirit, you know, spiritual gifts. First of all, they're plural, but also only the Holy Spirit can give those. And he gives those out at the, at the time a person becomes a believer, according to, according to 1 Corinthians 12. So don't think at all he means I want to give you some, a spiritual gift, a gift of the Spirit. He uses the word some here, and the use of this indefinite word some spiritual blessing, some spiritual gift, the lack of specificity of this uh, might be an indication. Most likely, Paul cannot be definite until he has been with them, spent some time with them, seen them face to face, and gotten to know them. Then he could be more definite about how God might use him to minister to them. And so, He's not saying this is what you need and this is what I'm going to bring, but more like when, I, when we are together, then I trust God that I'll be able to minister to you and, and you to me, he says later on as well. So, but there's a, this desire to, to come to them and see them and bless them, to impart some spiritual blessing gift by God to them. And thirdly, there's a desire to strengthen them. For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift so that you may be established. The word translated established here is, is often used to mean uh, to cause to stand. Um, you think of uh, a new baby and uh, when it first is crawling around and it finally gets enough strength in the legs it can, can raise itself up and actually stand and you know that's a that's a real achieving moment and you get that on videotape or something because that's, that's a big thing. They can stand on their own now and that lasts for four or five seconds till reality hits. Uh, that means they can get around more easily. That means they're going to start climbing up all this stuff. And, um, but initially it's a neat thing. They can stand, and you, we want to see that. And later on, we want to see people be able to stand on their own. That's a good thing. That's, that's the idea of this word to establish, to cause to stand. It has, also has the idea of securing or fixing something solid, solidly in place. The Greek word is actually one that you are quite familiar with, uh, especially from uh, sports medicine. It's the Greek word sterizo. Guess what word we get from that? Steroids. Yes. And what Paul is saying here is that when I come to you, I want to see you, and I want to bless you, and I want your faith to be on steroids. <laughs> it's kind of what he's saying. Um, we ought to have that kind of faith. So there's the ministry of praying and of strengthening and finally of encouraging in this topic of faith fellowship of sharing life together ministry of encouraging verse 12 that is that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith both of you and me that is the beginning of verse 12 further explains the ending of verse 11 
what he means by he's, he's wanting to come and share some spiritual gift and for them to be established. He goes on to explain that is, this is, this is kind of what I'm talking about here. Um, that is that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. And notice how this is, is relates to both of them. That I may be encouraged. Now, just a translation note here. The King James says comforted. And we usually take that word in modern English as in consoling someone in a time of trial or, or trouble, a time of grief. And that certainly has its place in the body that we we comfort one another, but really the word here means encouraging in a positive way. Um, to, to, you might think of it as encourage is the idea of putting courage in someone. You, you make them more courageous, encourage them. That's kind of the idea. It's, a, it's encouraging to us when we share life together. It, you know, it's encouraging to me when I see a sinner become a saint or, or when a rebel turns into a worshiper boy that's encouraging when I see God's grace in someone's life I'm encouraged when, when I see a, a believer find a new application of the Bible from a verse maybe they've read lots before but they've, the light has come on in this verse that's encouraging to me when they share that with me when a child says something so simple and so true that we as adults have forgotten. That's encouraging to me to see that childlike faith and to be reminded of those things. It's an encouragement to me when, when I hear someone sing from their heart with a desire to honor God. It's an encouragement to me when someone shares from the hurt of their own life and, and they want to, to lift up a particular need to God and, there's, and I have a privilege of ministering with them in that. Um, it's encouraging to me last week then a lot of us have been praying with Gary McVeigh about his sister Tammy who has cancer and was an unbeliever. Gary had been wanting opportunity to share with his sister and last weekend she came to know Christ and so we rejoice with that. Isn't that encouraging to know how God opens those opportunities and is faithful to and, and I'm grateful to have a part of praying of that. I, last week I had a, a father of a family ask me if I could put in the um, bulletin or somewhere, let, let them know where the passage we were going to be in the following week would be so that he and his family could read that portion and be prepared for Sunday when they come. That was encouraging to me. And you'll notice on the back part of your bullet, your insert, the passage for next week is at the bottom of that page. So we'll, we'll start doing that. But that was a real encouragement to me. I had... I had lunch this last week with a, a dear brother and friend, and we spent a couple hours just sharing together as brothers um, trials and victories. And it was an encouraging time, and I got a free lunch. 
I, w- I was encouraged this last week when I, I got an email uh, with a, a text message actually from David Stringer and they were in uh, Utah traveling through there and a picture of Moab, Utah. If you've ever been there, it's quite a sight out there in the, the wastelands of Utah. And I was so encouraged because in David and the, in the text message he sent was letting me know that even though I am in Mormon country, I want you to know I'm coming back with only the one wife. <laughs> I, I was so encouraged. But in my mind, I was having a hard time picturing him fighting off suitors. (laughs) I'm encouraged when I have a a burden or prayer need and I can share with with one of you and and you minister to me in that way. It's, It's an encouragement. You notice how Paul says this that is, verse 12, that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith both of you and me. When we, we share the Christian life together, that is a, a mutual encouragement. We need each other. I need to be encouraged by you, and perhaps you need to be encouraged by me. That's how the body can minister to each other. Each other, we all need it. And notice that this fellowship is tied to faith in verse 11. That is, that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Now, as we're thinking about this, this um, ministering together in this kind of fellowship of praying and strengthening and encouraging one another. Um, I just want to remind you that we are starting up small groups here in, in a couple of weeks. And the, those small groups make an excellent place for all these kinds of things to take place. The, the ministry, the joint ministry of, of uh, praying for one another, of strengthening each other in the Lord, of encouraging each other in the things of God. Um, and I, w- I encourage you to consider becoming part of one of those small groups. You can be a blessing to others and they to you. So far we have considered faith and fellowship. And the third part of this threefold cord that binds us together is fruit in verse 13. Now I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I often planned to come to you, but was hindered until now, that I might have some fruit among you also, just as among the other Gentiles. That I might have some fruit among you. There's one popular translation that says harvest here instead of fruit, but that is not the word that, that Paul uses here. It's another perfectly good word for harvest, like when Jesus says the harvest is plentiful and pray the Lord of the harvest. There's a totally another Greek word for that, but he purposely uses carpon, the word fruit here. Um, and I think it's important to maintain that word because of, of the, the use of that word throughout Scripture and how it can, connects back to this, and because it's actually the exact word use here. But most important, 
because it matches my other Fs. Faith, fellowship, and fruit. So, <laughs> fruit, uh, first of all, define. What, what does he mean by fruit? Well, it, sometimes in the New Testament, fruit is, is talking about converts. They're, they're people actually coming to the Lord. But so, although it's sometimes used that way, most often fruit is used of spiritual growth and development. And Paul is saying that the, the fruit he is hoping for is just as among the other Gentiles. And uh, so not only were they fruit, but by their union with Christ, they were living fruitful lives. Jesus said in John 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. And so it's the idea of continuing to abide in Christ and not only having fruit of coming to life in Christ, but continuing to live in Christ, a life of faith. And in addition, remember, as Jesus says, it is a good tree that brings forth good fruit. And in the life of the Christian, that has as much to do with character as anything else. In fact, uh, Paul will write in Galatians 5 about the ninefold fruit of the Spirit. And I think Paul has perhaps all those ideas of fruit that he uses elsewhere in mind here when he says that I may have some fruit among you as well. And fruit desired um, that I may, that I might have some fruit among you also just as among the other Gentiles wherever Paul went he craved fresh opportunities to minister to others he desired to see spiritual growth and development in their life how about us is, is that a part of how we, we view church and we view other believers to want to have fruit among them as well to be used by God in their life is that, a, is that a mark of our life Paul rejoiced for the tie that had bound them together already they hadn't been there as I said they, he still sensed this binding together with them the faith and the fellowship and the fruit and he greatly anticipated strengthening that bond and, and although he expects this ministry to be mutual, evidently, uh, note that he places the emphasis on them, on ministering to them, that I may come to you, that I may strengthen you, and so forth. As we come together as a church body, uh, we should expect to be nourished together but we should more anticipate how can I bless someone else? How can I minister to other people? How can I be strengthening them, encouraging them? And uh, I think that's what the Lord would have us do ourselves as we think about this, the, the tie that binds us together. I hope you can identify with these things that Paul wrote to Rome that this is what God would have for us here as well too now our closing song today is um, I'd like the worship team to come on forward 
the closing song today is one that when I was a new believer, I, I thought it had to do with men wearing ties to church. Blessed be the tie that binds. But, but no, it's much deeper than that. But a great, great song to end on today. Blessed be the tie that binds. Let's stand together as we sing this.